0: New York is the city that never sleeps, and neither does Sal Licata. From flushing in the Bronx to the Meadowlands in MSG, Sal sounds off on the biggest sports news of the day. Welcome to WFAN Daily with Sal Licata. Welcome into another edition of WFAN Daily with Sal Licata. Please download, subscribe, rate, you know, all those fun things that you do with podcasts. Today is a special breaking news edition. As I was driving home after doing the midday show with BT, I got a text and was alerted to this article that is coming out by my friend, Pat Leonard, who I worked with at SMY for a long time. He works at the Daily News covering the New York Giants, and he wrote an article that has more details on the Wink-Martindale-Brian Dable relationship and Brian Dable behind the scenes uh, as stuff has been coming out over the last week and a half or so. So I said, you know what? Pete Hoff, our producer, give Pat a call. Pat's a friend of mine. I'm sure he'll come on. I need to talk to him. Find out what the hell is going on. So Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News joining, uh, nice enough to join us right now on
1: WFA and Daily. Pat, how are you, man? Long time no speak. Sal, I'm doing well. Another another rough season, right? I mean, it was it was nice for the Giants to finally get back to the playoffs when a playoff game last year. This year has been a tough one. I mean, and, and I know it's been tougher on the team enduring it and on the fans but even from a reporting standpoint just uh just a lot of negativity and it's really tough right because it's supposed to be a rebuild that goes kind of straight in the right direction and unfortunately just used to this kind of thing where you see a regression and uh sometimes when that happens it gets ugly you know
0: Right. So at first I want to find out what the hell is going on, because you, you could talk about, you know, they had a great year last year, overachieved, exceeded all the expectations and a step back this year. And I think on the surface that would be OK. Obviously, no giant fan wants that to be the case with the regression, but it is understandable from where they were at. It felt, though, like they were building forward. And I still felt that after the season. And then. These recent reports, whether it is Paul Schwartz who wrote about it in the Post, whether it is hacksaw Dan Duggan who wrote about it in the Athletic, and now you writing about it in the Daily News, like it's getting ugly. And I like w- what it, what exactly is going on here? Is this sour grapes from Wink Martindale? Is this a, a problem in the Giants' building? Where are we at here? Where the Giants stand right now with Brian Dable
1: as their head coach? No, yeah, I think I don't think it's sour grapes and I think it would be wrong to portray this situation as Brian Dable versus Wink Martindale, which is kind of what it became portrayed as in some of the initial reports that came out. Like I think it I think the story that I've been working on and that published uh, that you know you and I are t- discussing now, the story is something that I think if you take a bird's eye view of the Giants facility and organization, uh, the problems that created the friction and tension are still there. And, you know, it's not just Brian Dable and and Wink Martindale. It's Brian Dable and Mike Kafka. Um, it's Brian Dable and Thomas McGahey. And it's a Giants even going to just problems managing Games in key moments and the process of how that works. And the fact that um, when you talk to people in the Giants, um, they say that uh, it's still bad there. Um, you know, I talked to an NFL assistant who had called about one of their many vacancies right now and was told by somebody in the building, do not come here. And so various anecdotes that I detailed in the daily news. Um, In this story, but the kind of the I would say the focus of it, like it would be wrong to consider this Brian Dable versus Wink Martindale. I think that is just one of the symptoms um, or kind of the public uh, publicly known aspects of the real issues going on.
0: Okay, so here's one question for you right out of the gate. Did Dable when he first took over a couple of years ago, hire all of his staff? Yes. Uh, Okay. So that to me is already a problem because if these are all coaches, and I thought that that was the case, I just wanted to get that confirmed by you. He hired all of these guys individually, and now it seems like it's falling apart at the seams. Like you said, even if it's not just Wink Martindale and you want to make it elsewhere, give us the the feel of why the other coaches then seemingly have a problem with a guy who brought them in.
1: Well, and Sal, here's here's a good I'm glad you brought that initial part up too, because if you remember, when Dable first came in, he said, and the and Joe Shane, the Giants said that they wanted to keep Pat Graham and that they expected him to stay. And then what happened? Pat Graham left.
0: Who was good, and, by the way. He was a terrific defensive coordinator for the Giants.
1: Right. And so to me, that's also an example of why it's not just Dable and Shane either. Like that's an organizational, that's a coach separating from an organization not just a coach saying I'm separating from this new head coach as well. Right. But it's interesting that back then they said, Hey, this guy's going to be our DC. And then he's not. And then at the end of this season, they say, Hey, we expect Wink Martindale to be back. And he's not right. Um, You know, I think, I think right from the jump, you know, this is actually kind of a, an interesting element of this. So at the bye week, when, you know, Wink Martindale was asked about the Jay Glazer reports. And when Joe Shane was asked about the Jay Glazer reports of Martindale and Dable not getting along and that it might not last that much longer, Martindale and Shane separately, both said a similar thing, which was the dynamic between Dable and Martindale hasn't changed in the last 22 months, like since we started. But the funny part about that is what they were saying is, it's always been contentious, (laughs) right? Right? They were just saying that the team was winning last year. And so I think part of what made that relationship fray this year, more along with some other things uh, was the losing and the nature of the losing. And then where does the finger pointing go and the blame game go like, you know, right from the jump in training camp in 2022, their first season together um, at the beginning of that training camp, if you remember in the first few days, maybe three days, four days, Daniel Jones and the offense were horrendous. And there was Dable kind of allowed a perception to develop that he was feeding the defense some play calls to make it harder on the offense and challenge them. But the reality, according sources that talked to me, were was that the defense was dominating the offense so much during training camp that Dable had actually put a limit afterwards on the amount of blitzing that Martindale's defense could do so that the offense could hit more plays downfield and feel some success. And that kind of just created like an offense versus defense uh, dynamic or environment. And it always felt like an offense versus defense Giants um, internal um, conversation and blame game rather than a collective, if that makes sense. But you know the interesting thing about it too, Sal, is it wasn't confined to the defense, um, and that's to me part of what helps make the bigger picture. Is that as much as we can talk about Wink and Dable mm-hmm. and all that, I mean, Mike Kafka is the one who, if you talk to anybody who's close to this situation or involved in the situation, they'll tell you that Kafka is the one who gets MF'd more than anybody, and has received the brunt of of Dable's consistent fury both you know both seasons. Um, and I think the, the – I know I'm going a lot of different directions here, but I would say the consistent refrain is that during these game day situations that Dable flies off the handle and that he's reactionary and not proactive and that it doesn't come with suggested solutions. And so when those things are happening, Sal, and the head coach isn't calling the plays either on offense or defense – and then he's only, what's he doing? He's managing the game. And then you're losing games because of bad game management mistakes at the end of halves and games. That has a lot of coaches and people in the building throwing their hands up and saying, what are we getting yelled at for? Right? And so that's that's kind of the uh, the bird's eye view vantage point.
0: Okay, so there's a lot here, obviously. Do the Giants themselves, forget about... I mean, you could throw in Joe Shane, I guess, because he's the one ultimately who hired Brian Dable. They're uh, attached to the hip. But do the Giants slash hierarchy, uh, Shane, whatever, the decision makers, did they view all of this that has come out in the coming weeks or the way that Dable has gone about coaching here in two years outside of the record, do they view Dable as a problem?
1: Um, I think that his... So, okay. There's a couple layers to it. So Dable has a lot of support in the locker room. He spends a lot of time uh, with the players and that's a smart and good thing about him as a head coach, right? Strategically, you have the locker room on your side. That's a big deal. And then from a vantage point of trying to get the most out of your players, you know, if you saw down the stretch of the season, like the team was playing hard, right? Um, They dipped in the middle of the season where it did look like guys' shoulders were starting to slump. But even Joe Shane said that what he liked about Dayball down the stretch was that the team didn't cave and didn't give in. Um, So there's something to be said for that, for sure. Um, But I do think that there's an awareness and there has been an awareness in the building going all the way up to the top. Um, At least as you and I talk here in January, at least for the past, you know, month and a half, two months around around that uh, about I, d- I guess maybe two, two and a half months um, of the fact that this was a problem. And you know one thing that resulted, you know, Joe Shane, and this is something part of the original reporting in my story, is that during the Giants second game against Washington, so the one they played at Washington, that game was the start of a four game stretch where Joe Shane, the GM actually got on the headsets with the coaches on game day. And now there was more than one reason, you know, for that, um, you know, he's not the only GM who has done that. Uh, you know, Nick Casario with the Texans does it, Hmm. um, Will McClay with the Cowboys and, and from Shane's standpoint, you know, that's something also where you can learn more about kind of the game day communication element and, kind of the reasons behind certain decisions that are made. But that was also a reflection of various parties in the building informing the general manager. And so word getting around the building and, uh, you know, th- that means up to the general manager, up, you know, that there was a dynamic that was unhealthy that needed uh, somebody's attention. So that included the Kafka dynamic. It included the Martindale dynamic. And so I think when you ask, is, is he viewed as a problem? I would say it was certainly something that was viewed as an issue that had to be monitored. Hmm. And... Um, Sal, I would say this, you know, with I got to say this the right way, but I think that the way that everything ended at the end of the season, the way that the Black Monday was handled, the way that Martindale's assist key assistants were fired, the way that um, a couple, you know, in the days after that, there was information and stories leaked that seemed to tell the team side of it. I think it's fair to say that it looked like that was, um, you know, a way for people to try to manage the situation. But I think the fair way to look at this is to try to do your own work at it and just bring the the bulk of it to the public's attention, right? And so that's what I tried to do here is not, not sell sour grapes from one side and not uh, sell a team's version of the truth from another. I think what I did to the best of my ability here was to try to tell people talking to a lot of lot a lot of people with the Giants uh is trying to tell people exactly what was going on
0: yeah and, and look I trust your work it's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you I've known you for a long time so I know you're a very good reporter and you know I, as somebody who is not in the locker room uh, I I have no idea what exactly is going on I could initially see the story and say okay well you know let's say Paul Schwartz writes about it in the post and I see his story and I say well Wink Martindale's being insubordinate, and he did this with Harbaugh in Baltimore, which is why it ended there, and he's not listening to Dable, then I believe in the head coach, so whatever the head coach says should go, and if he fired his, you know, good buddies, uh, you know, the, the Wilkins brothers, then I could see why he'd be ticked off, so I would side with Dable. However, then I read your story, uh, and I start to think, well, I mean, maybe there's an issue here. If he's yelling and MFing people, and to a point where it's uncomfortable on game day, and Shane has to listen in, you know, those right. a different, this is a different th- these are all different issues, so... All right, is there any chance whatsoever? Because even I brought this up. I'm a fan of Brian Dable. I think he's a good head coach. I like his personality. I like his rough demeanor. I know I'm old school a little bit, and you know I'm not saying you got to yell at people in the building and have everybody on edge. So I'm not there. I don't know what that's like. I don't believe that that's the case. But is there any chance that the Giants move on from Brian Dable in lieu of one of these high end co- coaches that are available?
1: You know what, Sal? I don't. I don't know. I, I would say. um And I, you know, I, I actually mentioned this in the story the other day when I, that I wrote about Bill Belichick and the fact that, you know, even though it does sound and Sal, I mean, I'm sure you've heard this, but it, the word in the league is that Bill Belichick to Atlanta is the most likely thing. However, however, that, you know, the idea that the Cowboys would fall flat on their face would certainly have him and others curious. And sure enough, it happened, no surprise, but it would be silly to me, Sal, for the Giants not to make that phone call or not to work the back channels on that. And I'm not saying Belichick would even want to do it. You know, frankly, I, uh, you know, I'm not sure he would unless he had full control and I'm not sure he would get that with the giants on how to do things, the personnel and all that. Um, But I do think if I'm the giants, knowing what, like I've reported and knowing what's actually happening in the building, I do think it would be silly not to pursue that. I mean, I have no indication Like I can't answer that they would, you know, try to get rid of Brian Dable at this moment. No one has told me that, Um, you know, one thing I mentioned in the story that, you know, it is true. I mean, throughout the last two months. And if you notice, like, if you go back and look at my reporting through the last two months of the season, I was constantly referencing tension that was going to build to something at the end of the year, because, and you know, Meanwhile, there were others saying that the Jay Glazer report was wrong and that it was nonsense, and and uh, you can see those people on the bandwagon now. Um, but I would say that the the fact that the the fact that the Giants have been aware of this, but even during that time, Sal, that, that I got indications from some people in the building that they still believed that Brian Dable's playoff berth and playoff win as a rookie coach still carried enough weight and built enough capital that it bought him a third season. And so I think, you know, the the indications I've received up until the point you and I are talking now is that a lot of pressure is on him in year three. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Joe Shane too, in year three. I mean, especially with the offensive line, how bad that's been with the lack of construction of that. So I think they're, you know, it's it's a it's a hot year for both of them. Um, but no, I can't answer in the affirmative that they're trying to replace him right now.
0: Yeah, and I just I didn't think that you would have an answer on that. Otherwise you probably would have reported it. I was just curious because I didn't think that there was any chance, but now it seems like it's starting to snowball a little bit. And right, right. even before your most recent column came out, you know, and the snowball continues here. I'm thinking, well, you got the greatest head coaches in the world available. Like mm-hmm. I don't care what team you are. The Cowboys had a head coach that won a Super Bowl McCarthy, and they could potentially be making a change. Sirianni went to a Super Bowl last year, and they could be potentially making a change. Mike Rabel, who's accomplished more as a head coach in the NFL than Brian Dable, he got fired. So it shouldn't just be, well, we believe in him because he won a playoff game. Now, I personally do believe in Dable, but at the very least, you should inquire. All right, so two more before we let you go, Pat. I just want to try to clean things up a little bit. What's next? Let's say Dable stays on. Who's calling the plays next year, and what kind of – like, is Kafka out? Is it going to be a whole new staff? Does Dable change his demeanor? What are we looking at for the Giants staff moving forward?
1: Well, I think – so Kafka has now a second head coaching interview with the Seahawks. Uh, He interviewed with the Titans already. Don't know what's going to come of those yet. Uh, He's still widely respected around the league. He could end up staying. I mean, as of right now, he's still on staff. He could end up staying – wouldn't be shocked if Dable took on the play calling on offense. Um, you know, he took it away multiple times from Kafka during this season, took the offensive meetings away from him, uh, gave it to quarterback coach Shay Tierney in one case in the second half against Dallas in the road game where they got blown out. But uh, it wouldn't shock me if he took over play calling, especially since that's the specialty that got him this job. And frankly, if you're, if, if you're under pressure, you know, I, I, I've learned from a lot of coaches now. Like, he should do
0: it. He's got to yeah, do
1: it. Right. It's like you, and if you're going to, if you're going to win or you're going to go out, you, you want to do it your way. You don't want to, you don't want to look back on it five years later and say, oh, I didn't, you know, so that wouldn't shock me. Which I would do, make
0: me think then, Pat, that maybe Kafka leaves even for a job. Can he leave for an, another coordinating job?
1: Um, Lateral moves require permission. All right. Okay. Now, um, but
0: that will be telling, you know, Wake Martindale, yeah. a little bit of a, t- a different story. If Kafka leaves for a lateral move and the Giants let him, you know, I think that that's telling about then their relationship and maybe Kafka not happy and the Giants say, all right, well, go ahead. We don't, you know, Dable's going to call the place anyway.
1: Right, right. No, that's possible. I do think, you know, from Dable's end, like, you know, being the head coach of this team in 2024, he certainly has to learn a way on, and it really centers around game days, Sal. He has to learn how on game days to have a proactive, constructive approach because like you hit on something important earlier, like, you know, coaches MF each other all the time and talk, you know, talk crassly and talk directly, but when you're doing it to embarrass people or, or you're doing it in a negative way and you're not presenting solutions and you're pointing fingers like in the Washington game, as I reported He says to the defensive staff, "Oh, you're going to cost us this game, just like you lost us the Jets game," which is like, you know, uh, Mm. what are we talking about here? That is where that goes. But where the Giants go from here, I think Dayball has to learn how to balance that—the competitive nature—with how you deal with people and how you deal with staff. And Sal, in the here and now, it's about attracting quality candidates to some of these vacancies now too, because I'll just tell you this right now: like the things I reported in this story. And the dynamic that exists, like this is something that people in the league are aware of, right? Like the public wasn't necessarily aware of all of it, but the league and people in the league understand what the dynamic has been. And uh, one thing I would, I wanted to say to you too, is in regards to Vrabel, Belichick, Harbaugh, all these guys, Mm -hmm. I think one challenge for the giants and uh, you know, you would, you wouldn't want this to get in your way, but one challenge is, This is Joe Shane's show like it's Dable Shane come as a pair, but it's Joe Shane running the show and um, the Giants don't want to get into a misalignment situation. And a lot of the names you're talking about are strong personalities who want control. Right. And so that's kind of the pickle they're in there as well.
0: And you would say Shane's going to be safe. Let's say Dable fails. Hypothetically, let's say Dable fails next year. Mm -hmm. Shane gets to pick another head coach, in your opinion.
1: Uh, I think it depends on how the team fails. I mean that, you know, you and I both know how sacred the GM position is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, that's I, what
0: I mean, I feel like with that organization, especially after what they've been through in recent years, they're going to be much more patient with these two, I would think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You would think, I mean, you, you especially like if dit you know, I don't know if this is a fair argument, but if Dave Gettleman deserves four years, Joe Shane I mean, deserves five at least, but
0: yeah, right.
1: Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I do think it depends though, Sal, because and also like always remember, like, you know, Joe Shane just admitted to us in his post game, in his postseason press conference that they accelerated the rebuild a little bit because of Daniel's contract to try to win this year. That's the same mistake not Joe Shane has made. It's the same mistake the Giants organization ownership has made across various regimes. So let's say this coming year is again a failure. Do you penalize Joe Shane for that roster building flaw? and failure or do you say giants ownership again kind of made a miscalculation and the gm still gets to ride it out so yeah. I, you know i think it'll depend i mean like sal let's just be honest like second second all time allowing sacks in a season this year that's on the gm who picked the players that's on the coach that's on everybody so you know you say does he is he safe next year i mean depends on how bad it is right but i think right. i do agree with you that in general they would be more uh, patient with that position.
0: The Giants really have to screw this up to, or or Shannon Dable really have to screw this up to get ousted. I would think after year three and the last one, and maybe this is the most important one uh, moving forward. What are they going to do at quarterback? I mean, it feels like they've been trying Daniel Jones over and over and over again. I can't do it anymore and believe that he could be the guy. I know that the spot that they're in with the contract and him coming off the injury next year, but they do have a high draft pick. What do you think the Giants do? What's the future of the quarterback situation for this Giants team?
1: Well, when Joe Shane and Brian Dable took the job, like Joe Shane took a job that was trending towards having a high pick and using it on a QB and your QB of the future. And of course the first season happens, you commit to Daniel for at least two years, but I still think that in this draft, having such a high pick and also capital to move around, I think if he falls in love with one of these QBs and only one, he goes and gets them. That's what I think. The tough thing for Shane is that, this year does have to show some progress because there was such a lack of it this year and a regression this year. So you have enough holes on the roster where, and you you have a high pick, you have two seconds. So you have Dave, you're paying Daniel a lot of money. So to save your job in the immediate future, if that's something you need to do, you need to fill those gaps on the rest of the roster and try to tread water. But You don't want to end up leaving the Giants after three years and get fired after three years and say, I never even got to pick my QB. So I I do think knowing Shane, I do think he will draft a quarterback in April as you and I sit here now. But um, you know, that, that, that's what I believe, but he has to love one. Like if they, if they don't, if they love one, I think they'll take one. If they don't absolutely love one, Then that, like, If they don't take a quarterback in the first round and they don't get one and Daniel's their starter and they sign a veteran as a stopgap, it's just going to be because they don't love a QB. It's not because they're not looking for one.
0: Right. It's not because they believe in Daniel Jones and don't want one. I tend to agree. And with that, you can never – you shouldn't force the pick. Just take one just to take one. However, to me, it's obvious they need one, and eventually they're going to figure out that they need one because Daniel Jones ain't it. All right, Pat, we appreciate the time, man. Thank you very much. Good job with this column. Check him out, Pat Leonard. Uh, NFL columnist Giants beat writer for New York Daily News talking ball podcast as well we appreciate it Pat good catching up with you man
1: thank you Sal as always take care
0: all right there you have it Pat Leonard on this edition of WFAN Daily we'll have another edition comes your way tomorrow morning as I react to this episode